Good morning, Tapestry. I hope uh, everybody is doing well this morning. Thank you for joining us. Um, I hope you've had a good week. Uh, I know uh, my sons are having a good weekend because school is officially out. Um, they are super pumped about that. Uh, I am not sure what that means for me moving forward, um, but uh, y'all may need to check in on some of my sanity here in a little while. <laughs> um, we have been spending the last couple weeks talking about what we can do in these times of uncertainty to kind of lift the weight off of us that so many of us carry. Um, that, that, that weight that uncertain situations and uncertain outcomes and uncertain possibilities bring to so many uh, people, especially in a time like this, when, when the world is sick, when a virus has us locked in and we're not sure how things are gonna go. And even, even now as things begin to, to open up and, and people are venturing back out, even that is filled with all of its own unique uncertainty. And, and as we looked the first week, we saw that underneath uncertainty the, lies a fear. <clears throat> And that really is where the weight comes from, those fears. And, and so we spent some time talking about, about being in prayer and, and uncovering, peeling back the layers of those things that, that you're worried about and discovering what the fear is. And, and, and then we spent some time last week uh, talking about remembering what it is that God's done for you in your past because in, if you don't remember God in your past, then you can't figure him into your future. And it's what he's done in the past that casts that great shadow of hope over our future. Um, and what we've discovered is that the Bible is great when you are in a time of uncertainty because it was written by people who were surrounded by uncertainty. And the Bible is full of that and anxiety and fear. And even if you aren't a person who normally reads the Bible, now would be a great time to start. And if you're one of those people that, you know, maybe you don't read the Bible because you don't think that it's true, um, it's okay. I got you covered. Just read it on the internet because everything you read on the internet is true anyway. So um, just do it there. But, but it's a great resource in these times of trouble and these times of uncertainty. Now, today we're going to talk about Another step that we can take to kind of lift the weight of that, that burden, that, uh, uh, of that fear and that anxiety in these uncertain times. Um, and today's step is probably the one that, that I struggle with the most out of everything that we're talking about. Um, and that is this, seek. We talked about prayer. We talked about remembering. Now we're going to talk about seeking. Um, and the idea that we're going to look at today is really counterintuitive. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense on the surface, but these are Jesus's words to a group of people who are facing uncertain times that honestly, COVID and all, their uncertainty was way more extreme than what we're facing. Now, the thing about uncertainty and and some of the pain and the fear and the stuff that goes along with that um, is that when we face these types of moments, there's a tendency for us to be backed into a corner of self-centeredness. When things are uncertain, all of our attention begins to focus in 
on ourself. When I'm uncertain about something, I am concerned about me. And it's all the little aspects of me. You know, my job, how's that gonna go? You know, how's my wife's job gonna go? You know, my kids, how are they, how are they gonna handle this? How are they getting through this? You know, um, my relationships, you know, you, you wanna see where you're at in a marriage, you know, stay at home with each other for months. Like you'll get a good idea uh, as to where you're at. But, but, but we tend to fall into an unhealthy preoccupation with ourselves when we come across times of uncertainty. And as a consequence, we, we do this. We miss or we overlook what it is that God is up to in these times of uncertainty. We don't see it because we're not focused on God. We're focused on ourselves. And the great thing, the great thing about the scriptures is that it reminds us that in times of uncertainty, God is not inactive. In fact, the opposite of that. During times of uncertainty is when God is the most active. And if we make the mistake of allowing our uncertainty to cause us to become self-absorbed, then we will overlook what God is about all around us, what he's up to, and we'll miss out on the grace that God extends to us that is a pillar of strength that gets us through these moments of uncertainty. Um, today, as Amy read the scripture during, during worship, uh, one of the things that I love so much uh, about us having gone to, to doing the scripture reading during worship is that <clears throat> I don't tell them what to read. I allow the person reading the scripture to come up with their own scripture because <clears throat> I think that God can speak to people in different ways. And I've been amazed throughout the time that we've done this, how so many times the, uh, the scripture that's read just fits in perfectly and has a great um, tie-in with what I'm already talking about. And um, man, I'm guessing what I'm gonna talk about today, God wants you guys to hear because Amy picked the passage that I'm gonna be speaking from. And so that just really is a confirmation to me of how important it is that this is an idea that we do not forget in this time of uncertainty. So Matthew chapter six, Jesus starts out this passage with one of those really um, almost patented insensitive comments that Jesus will make, right? He was prone to lead with these kinds of comments all the time. Um, and, and they were attention grabbers. People immediately took note of those things. And he, and he looks out over this crowd of, of people, most of them strangers that he's talking to. And he looks at them and he says, he opens up with, do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. Now, I, I, I don't know about you, but when somebody tells me to not worry, that doesn't make me worry less, Right? especially if they don't know my story, they don't know my situation, they don't know what I'm experiencing. If they just say, don't worry, I mean, I don't take that well. And I wanna tell them, if you would just shut up for a minute, just let me explain, you would feel pretty foolish telling me not to worry. In fact, you would probably respond with, oh, I didn't know all that. Well, no wonder you're worried. I would be worried too. Yes, worry, worry, worry away. No one wants to hear, don't worry. 
and when there's a situation like this virus that we're dealing with, right, it seems like worry is kind of the default. Now, it's interesting because what everybody is worrying about is very different. There's a wide spectrum, but everybody seems to be worried about something. And so it just seems callous for Jesus to open up this passage by saying, don't worry yet. That's what he starts this dialogue with. And he says to them, as he would say to us, I know everything that you are dealing with. Nothing you're going through is a mystery to me. It's not a secret to me. And you stay at home orders and sicknesses and job insecurities and fluctuations and finances and kids and school and you know, just all family dynamics, all of it. I know everything that you are going through. I know, I know, I know. But do not worry. Do you know where to which most of us would respond like, yeah, I am so sure. I, I, yeah, all right, whatever. But in these verses, Jesus kind of takes apart the worry that we experience in our uncertainty and he offers us a deal. He makes us his deal. Um, and this is important because there is a grace that is available to us from God when we make the exchange that Jesus challenges us to make in this passage. So, Matthew chapter six, starting in verse 25, and this is a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, therefore I tell you, and here he goes, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. And this is interesting because he sort of separates all of our different needs down to the basic essentials what you're going to eat. I don't want you to worry about that. I mean, food, sustenance, that, that's everybody's, you know, hierarchy of needs. It's there. And then to the next level, you know, what it is that you're going to wear. Now, most of us don't open up the fridge every morning and wonder what it is we're going to eat and where our food is going to come from. We don't have that. We're, we're beyond the survivalist stage. Most of us are, are beyond that. But we worry about other things. We do. How, how am I going to get my kids through school? How, how am I going to pay my rent? How, how am I going to find a job? How am I going to keep my job? How, how? 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 Just so many people, that's the word in their mouth through this time. How? And then there's the secondary stuff that was the primary stuff before a lot of this situation we're in started. And even though it's not our primary worry anymore, it's still there. It's still things that weigh on us that we think about. Am I going to get a date? Am I gonna get married? Am I gonna be able to rebound in this economy? Am I gonna be able to, these types of things. And we have these worries. And the thing is that I don't wanna diminish the lower because both tiers of, of these worries tend to consume us emotionally. They take emotional energy an effort. And in this passage, the words that are used, um, worry in this passage means to be consumed by. It's what it actually means. To, to allow the emotions that you're experiencing to close in around these unresolved issues and consume you. And Jesus looks at his audience and 
he would say to us, don't do that. Don't do that. And then he goes on, which is a good thing because up to now, he's just kind of been insensitive. And then he asked this question. Is not life more important than food? Now in the Greek, the word important actually isn't even in there. They put that in English to kind of make it make more sense. It actually says, is not life more than food? Is what he says. And the body more important than clothes? And he asks this question that none of us want to answer because if we answered honestly, we would probably look a little bit foolish. We probably feel a little sheepish. He says, wait a minute, I, I want you to stack up I want you to stack up all the stuff that you worry about, right? And then stand back and look at it and ask yourself this question. So take all the things that you're worried about, get them together mentally there, step back, take a look and ask yourself this question. Are those things what life really is? Is that all there is to your life? If, is that what it's all about for you, those things? M- most of us would respond probably somewhere in the vicinity of an answer like, well, those things are important. I don't want to say they're not important. Those things are important. But yeah, there is more to life than just those things. And the implication is this. Why in the world... If you know that there is more to life than those things that you're worrying about, why would you commit so much time in worrying about them? Why would you commit so much emotional work to worrying about those things? <laughs> and we would answer, because uh, uh, we're Americans? I, I, don't, I don't know. We've just always been like this. We're used to having these things. So Jesus would say, no, 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 no. You just don't know the right things to worry about. Because there are some unresolved issues and things that you should be worried about, right? But you've allowed yourself to become consumed with with the things that you know are not life. Before they could answer the question, any of the people in the crowd, as Jesus asked this question, he keeps going because it was rhetorical. Verse 26, he says this. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. In other words, they don't save. They don't invest. They don't have 401ks. Like they're not, you know, they're not trading penny stock. They're not like, this is not what, they don't do any of that. Look at what Jesus says. And yet your father in heaven feeds them. And we say, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. Jesus, no, no. It's not God that feeds them. It's nature. Na- nature, nature. It's the circle of life. Like there's things out there, they just fly and get them. And, you know, it's nature. Ha- haven't you seen the circle of life movie, Jesus? Like it's a big deal, right? To which Jesus would respond back like, no, 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 no. It's you who don't get it. You're, you're, you're the one who doesn't get it. God is behind nature. God is behind, he established that system. And not only did God establish that system, but look at how well it works. 
Look at how well. Implication being, who do you think is behind the system that has sustained you up to this point? Many of us have probably not thought about that. Who do you think's behind the economy that has sustained you up to this point? The government? The Fed? Who, who, do, you think is, who do you think is behind it? Multinational corporations? Yeah. And now when things are falling apart, you know, then we say, well, God, you've got to do something. You've got to step in, right? And he's like, well, what do you mean? Now I've got to do something. Who do you think's been behind all of it all along? Me. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I hadn't thought of that. He keeps going. He says, are you not much more valuable than they, those birds? In other words, if I'm gonna go through the trouble of creating a system to take care of animals, don't you think I will take care of you? Yeah, 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 but Jesus, but I don't, I don't see how it's gonna happen. I don't see how you're gonna do it. And God's probably like, oh, brother. Uh, are we back to this? Because you don't see it means it must not be able to be done. Because you don't see me working means I'm not working. Come on, come on, come on. Don't put your confidence in your ability to predict the future and your ability to predict outcomes. Put your confidence in me, Jesus would say. But th this, is, this is so challenging. Because when our life is great, our tendency over time is to look at our great life and think, haven't I made such a great life for myself? It's our human nature to get there. But when things go bad, our response is, God, aren't you gonna do something? God, aren't you gonna intervene? Aren't you gonna, aren't you, gonna you know? Come on, take care of us. You're the God that provides, right? And he's like, ah, what do you guys mean? I have been all along. I've been taking care of you. You just lost sight of that. And just as God took care of us in our past, he'd say, I'll take care of you in the future. So what are you worried about? Well, I'm... I'm worried because things have changed. Things are different. Oh, okay. So that's, that's what it is. That, that, that's what you're worried about. You don't have everything that you're used to. Everything's not normal. Things have changed and you can't control it. He keeps going. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? In other words, you're like, okay, if you don't listen to me, here, do this. I want you to go away. I want you to worry and come back to me in a week and give me a report. Give me a report. How did it go? The report would probably be something like, wow, I worried for 90 minutes a day and I didn't, I got nothing. Nothing, maybe an ulcer I got, you know. I worried two hours a day and I got, my wife doesn't want to talk to me now. And my kids, my kids can't get my attention. That's what's come out of, that's what I've gotten from worrying. Then Jesus gives another illustration, verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? And when he brings up clothes in this context, he's talking about, yes, 
physical clothes, but our image, our image, that which we adorn ourselves with, what we wear, what we drive, you know, how we, how, how, you know, how we have our hair cut, you know, what our, you know, just everything about our image and the external and what people think when they look at us. And if we were to be faced with the accumulated time that we've spent on our image, I bet most of us would feel pretty bad about it. If we were to be faced with the amount of resources that we've spent on our image, I bet some of us would be pretty embarrassed. He keeps going, see how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And we just kind of blow by this. We just kind of go by because God made nature. It was as if he had this idea that was just like, well, I've, got this, I've, got this, I've got this idea, this is gonna be great. It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be the most beautiful thing ever, ever, ever. And he designed nature. And we can't come close to designing something that well. You go shopping for a day. Well, I guess that's hard to do now, isn't it? Whatever, look at whatever the best things man can design. The beauty does not hold up to what God designed in nature, yet we worry and worry and worry and worry. And God just says, would you just look around? Would you just look around at what I have done? Why would you put an ounce of worry into your image? Why, why would you do that? That is not what life is about. Verse 30, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? O oh, you who have forgotten that God is behind everything good that has happened so far? And then he says it again. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Or what will I drive? Or where will my kids go to school? And then he gets really convicting. Verse 32, he says this for the pagans. I don't know if we have any pagans here watching with us this morning. But in the Bible, the pagans were simply people who did not believe in the God of Israel and worshiped other gods. For, he says, even for those people who do not believe in me, they know, all they know is this life. That, that's all they know. That's what, their, that's what their entire perspective is. This life, bookended by birth and death. So all that matters to them is what you see and what you experience. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Those, those people, for the pagans, run after all these things. <laughs> which had to be a little bit of a, a poke in the chest to them. This was a little offensive to them. The people who don't even believe in your God, these are the things they 
are worrying about. And why not? Because to them, there's nothing else but this life. So you'd better get what you can while you can get it. And you might as well worry about these things because this is all there is. There is no God to trust. But he says to us, he says to his audience, but you believe in God. Why would you, and this is the key, why would you allow fear and uncertainty to back you into the corner of self-centeredness that everyone else in the world is huddled in? Why, why would you do that? If I, if I were to make a list of the things that I worry about the most and, and compare it to the list of what someone who doesn't believe in God, what they worry about, I, I fear that our lists would not be all that different. And that's, that's Jesus's point. Is that we're spending our emotions and our energy on the same silly things that people who do not even see beyond this life are worried about. That's why he can say with a straight face, I know, I know, I haven't even heard your story, but do not worry. He goes on, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. And then he brings it home. If you want to worry about something, if you want to allow something to consume you or want to seek something, here it is. He gives us the punchline, verse 33. But seek first. That is, you are going to seek something. In fact, you are going to seek multiple things in your life. So while you do that, while you deal with all of these things, worry about these things, put this at the top of your list, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then look at this promise. And all of these things, that is everything he's talked about up to the point, up to this point, all of the things that we spend our emotional energy worrying about and fretting about, all the things that weigh on us, all of these things will be given to you as well. In other words, don't worry in times of uncertainty. Instead, seek. Don't worry, seek. Don't worry, seek. When you, when you don't know how something's gonna work out, and you don't know how something's gonna go and you feel the need to take your time and your resources and your energy and your efforts and, and focus them on me, 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 me. What am I worried about? My thing, my thing, my thing. He says, I, I don't want you to worry about you, 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 you. In those times, I want you to do something counterintuitive. I want you to look around and I want you to ask the question, in the midst of my uncertainty, in the midst of these circumstances around me, what can I do to further, not myself and my interests, but what can I do to further God's kingdom? Do you know what that means to seek the kingdom of God? It's really very simple. It's, it's simple to say, not to do. It's to seek God's agenda. It, it, it's to... It's to say to God, I know what worries me. 
I know what I'm experiencing anxiety over. I, I know what I have fear of. I know what's weighing me down. But God, what concerns you? Where are you at? And let me invest into your thing. Let me focus on that. And God says, if you can do that, if you can do that, I will take care of the rest. I will take care of all of those things that you are worried about. And there is a grace that is available to us in the midst of this uncertainty that if we will take a breath and clear our minds and focus on what God is concerned about, he will offer that grace to us. Now, over the years, there are tons of things that I sit here with a microphone and I talk about that are a lot are just my opinion and what I think. Um, but this I am certain about. This isn't, this isn't an opinion. Do you wanna know where God's concern is in this era? God's concern is and always has been bringing people into relationship with him. Bringing people into, the greatest tragedy as Christians would be that we let all of our worries back us into our little self-centered corner and we miss out on what God may want to do through us and through our circumstances in this time. So God makes it a deal. He said, you worry about my thing and I'll take care of yours. But, 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 but God, you don't know, I, I, I've got it. I know, I know, but trust me, trust me. Live a lifestyle that reflects my values, that reflects my priorities and all of this other stuff. I, I'll give it to you because you are so valuable to me. And I've heard story after story as a pastor of people who were not followers of Jesus. And they watched people they knew who were Christians go through really tough times. And when they saw the way they went through them, their response was, there's something different about them. There's something different about the way that they approach it. And they, they handled it in a way that was so different that it got their attention. And I've seen stories of people who have come into relationship with Christ based on the way other Christians have handled themselves in moments of uncertainty. And if those Christians that the people were watching at that time, if they had responded to that anxiety, to that worry, to that, to that uncertainty, like everyone else responds to those things, if they had just turned inward and been like, I've got to take care of myself, I've got to get my own, I've got to make sure I'm okay, and became self-centered, if they would have done that, God would never have been able to show himself through them, through them circumstances to those people who were watching from the outside opportunity would have been missed. So yeah, there are gonna be uncertainties in life. Yeah, there's gonna be hard times. Yeah, there are gonna be when, times when things don't go your way. There are gonna be times when you don't know how things are gonna work out, like now. But we have to look 
to leverage those times in a way that, that both provides a, a, an avenue of grace from God and an opportunity for God to show his glory through us. Here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. Here's your assignment for the week. There's a lot of kids out of school now. They need something to do this week. So get your kids to do it as well. I want you to memorize these two verses. Verse 27, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? I mean, that is such a key idea to always have in the back of your mind when it comes to this issue of worry and anxiety and uncertainty. You're not adding time to your life. All you're doing is expending emotional energy that should be going somewhere else. And then memorize this verse. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And when we find ourselves obsessing and worrying about our pile of stuff. And in times like this, when the world is sick and we don't know what's coming and how it's going to look and when's everything going to get back to normal and is it, when it goes away, is it going to stay away or is it going to come back again and what's going to happen? In these times, if we get on our knees and start out our day with these verses, day after day after day, and we open ourselves up to the possibility that God wants us to be consumed by something else and that is his kingdom and advancing his agenda, then we open up ourselves for allowing God, who is so much better at this stuff than us, to take care of all of those things that we normally worry about. And I don't know about you, but if I'm given the choice of, do I want to try and fix that or do I want God to fix it? I'll choose God every time. Seek first his kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this passage. I thank you that you laid it on the heart of Amy this morning to just reiterate and give us that, that, that sign of how important this message is in the lives of everyone at this moment. And Lord, this is one of those things that's easy to say. Don't worry about the things that we're worrying about. Pay attention to God and what he's doing. But Lord, it's difficult to do. But God, as we start by going through this week and memorizing these verses and keeping this idea to the front of our mindset, Lord, I pray that you begin to make it clear to us. Open our eyes to what you are up to and how we can get on board with that. And then God, we trust that your faithfulness <laughs> crosses our obedience and that you provide everything that we need. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and for your grace. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week. Uh, I hope you have a great week. If you or anyone you know needs anything, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We'll see you next week.